You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is Christmas Eve Eve tradition for us. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Keith. I'm your usual host, joined by Zach, my usual co-host. Yeah, we did this last year, right? Didn't we do a mock draft? Yeah. The night before Christmas Eve. And I don't I don't know if we got many of those picks, right? But our final mock drafts were actually pretty good. And even when we didn't get the player for a team, like we knew Kansas City was going to take a running back. Mm-hmm. We just had him taking DeAndre Swift, not Edwards Hilaire. So right idea. Uh, we got some uh, feedback from our last show, which is cool. You want to you want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people loved our takes on Devonta Smith. Um, one guy in particular, though, told us we were complete dipshits for valuing Devonta Smith over Jamar Chase. I mean, Does, we are dipshits. I will I will echo that. Um, I'll own it. But um, I, I don't, again, I don't think Chase is the better of their wide receivers. Like, you know, he, he's got a good skill set, but I mean, the stuff that Devonta Smith does and that the fact that he's a full package, I mean, we, we are not going to go down this rabbit hole again, but uh, I will agree that we are dipshits. That is a fact. That's fine. And the important thing is we found common ground there and something to agree on. But I mean, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole. You can just watch. I mean, there's plenty of Devonta Smith tape out there. And I mean, Jamar Chase is excellent for sure. But one thing we mentioned in that last show, and I think it is incredibly important when how it relates to Devonta Smith is this is a team that's looking to win sooner rather than later. The Dolphins, that is. And if you are going to draft receivers, you're not really looking for projects. I mean, there are guys you can stash away, but the Dolphins receiver core is not in a place where they've got so much depth that they can just draft guys. You know, they can draft projects and see how it turns out. And when I say projects, remember like Stephen Hill? Mm-hmm. He was kind of mm-hmm. he was kind of like a project. Uh, Brashad Perryman, I viewed as a project. Uh, you're looking for a bang for the buck right off the bat. And I don't know if there's, I've seen a receiver in recent memory who's going to give that to you sooner and, and on as large a scale, maybe as Devonta Smith. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I think that, I think Jamar Chase will give you a bang for your buck straight out the gate too. But again, it's, it's not about like, you got to remember that the Dolphins aren't taking who may be the best guy on everybody else's big board it's like who they need that fits their system that gives them what they need in their receiving core and again jamar chase just does the same stuff as Devonte parker so at the, this point like that's just not what they really need yeah i just i found myself spending 20 minutes watching video of um or tape of Devonta smith just slipping jams at the line of scrimmage like he's just a he's like a moving target for uh defensive back so uh and yeah i agree i like jamar chase too i'm definitely not shitting on him but um and if we took him i would find it would take me about two seconds to get around to that pick but i'm if we're taking a receiver early i would like it to be a bama guy mm-hmm. never never thought i'd be saying that you know like 10 years ago because i mean that was not a strength for that school anyway uh, we got some feedback about they like the the Najee Harris talk. Mm-hmm. You brought up after the show. He reminds you a lot of Matt Forte. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it, and it's it's funny that they both were 22. You made that point as well. Um, but, like, I forgot how big Matt Forte was until we had that conversation after the show. Um, but, I mean, Najee Harris is, you know, 8 to 10 pounds heavier. And mm-hmm. that's that's kind of it. I think he's going to come in, you know, probably 6-1 or whatever. You know, Matt Forte, I think, was a legitimate 6-2. But guys that are that size that are also outstanding receiving threats are are hard to come by. Um, you know, I think, I think they're really easy low-hanging fruit comp that you're going to see from people as Le'Veon Bell, but like totally different dudes based on their running style. Oh, yeah. Um, but again, when you have a big guy that can catch the ball as a, a running back, you know, um, that's a really unique item to have in your, your disposal. Yeah. Le'Veon style coming out of Michigan State, a lot of people held that upright running style against him. And then, I mean, it's you mentioned him as a receiver and he's awesome in that regard um i would prefer the Le'Veon bell comparison as opposed to we we talked about derrick henry and how i've seen some people saying like oh yeah he's a lot like derrick henry you just stop that right now there's a big difference between those two mainly because i don't know if people really appreciate the fact that when we talk about football you know 20 30 years in the future we're gonna mention what we what we saw Derrick Henry do to people. I think just, I mean, throwing guys into the ground, like they're a lawn dart Mm. shit shit like that. So, I mean, he's, he's a rare specimen, but that's not to say that Najee Harris isn't an incredible specimen too. He is, but he's really the total package in that. Like he is so dangerous as a receiver, but I mean, like he is a bull too. I mean, it runs well. You mentioned that the dolphins seem perfectly fine with going, with a slider running back, which would uh, lend to someone like Travis Etienne. But I mean, like Najee Harris does have bell cow size. I mean, he's a bigger dude. He's right on, on par with um, a lot of the, a lot of the bigger guys who have come through there, you know, going back to Mark Ingram. So you can't go wrong. He's definitely, if we're, if we're going to take a running back, he's definitely the guy for me. It's not Najee Harris or bust for me, but I do think that that would be a perfect marriage getting that guy behind our young offensive line. And plus what he, he do to, you know, the spread out passing game that we have. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just, I mean, you can just go down the line of what he would provide and it's, it's awesome too. I mean, he's, they've had a lot of great backs at, at Alabama and he's my favorite. And let's just appreciate the magnitude of that statement because we we mentioned the list of guys like Alvin Kamara was there and had to transfer. Yeah, and I mean, like the nice thing Najee Harris would do for this offense is like you could run a lot of 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, one running back. And like at that point, you can come out in 12 personnel with Gasecki and Smythe or whomever, you know, Shaheen is your other tight end, make it look like it's it's a very run first down kind of like we're going to grind the ball out we're going to you know establish the run to to set up the pass um and then at that point because everybody out there is still a good receiving threat you can move dudes around all you want you can flex Gasecki out into the slot you can flex Najee Harris out into the slot it gives you more versatile options um again not to say that you couldn't do that with Travis Etienne but like if you wanted to grind the ball, you could grind it in 12 personnel with Najee Harris, or you can split guys out, move them around and do different things. So 
Um, it's definitely interesting, but I, I think Najee Harris or Travis Etienne would be an excellent pickup for the Dolphins this offseason. Oh, yeah. And you're right. Maximum de- deception with, with that personnel, too. Um, let's see here. Had some requests for, and you messaged me about this on Sunday, asking me how Bears fans feel about the fact that Adam Shaheen is actually doing stuff for the Dolphins as opposed to the fact that that guy was largely unseen, unheard of with the Bears. Uh, Salty. Very salty. Um, But, I mean, it's... It's a lot of fun right now. I mean, it's more fun when Gesicki's in there, but this is a a massive and yet very mobile tight end group that they have there with Gesicki, Shaheen, and then I know Durham Smite's more the in-line guy, but they've been using him in more of a pass catcher role because they don't really have that many guys available right now. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the tight end group? I think it's a... Uh, uh... The nice thing about the tight end group is it's a good group, um, but you have a guy out in front that has like star potential with Gasecki. So like, it's not the typical Dolphins Anthony Fasano led group where it's like, yeah, well, like the tight end's technically good, probably could use an upgrade, but like, no, with Gasecki, like there's a legitimate like potential top end tight end there, and then what you get out of the rest of the guys is typical Dolphins Anthony Fasano level quality um so I mean this might be the strongest tight end room we've seen in years in Miami so let me ask you this question because remember that tight end group that draft class that we were extremely high on uh Gesicki was not number one on my big board I know he wasn't on yours mm-hmm. uh so let's go back to that main group and that would be Hayden Hurst Mark Andrews Mike Gesicki, Dallas Goddard. Let's just go with the big four. Yeah, I mean, like, the good news is they're all playing pretty damn well in the league, which is nice, so uh, I don't think it matters at that point. Um, Based on what the Dolphins were trying to do offensively at that time, I still think um, Hayden Hurst or Dallas Goddard makes more sense for the Dolphins making that pick for that offense in that time. Um I mean, quite honestly, if you don't have a different coaching staff come in, who knows where Gasecki is, right? Um, yeah. But Gasecki, Gasecki's kind of the best of both worlds. If he can develop, you know, his run blocking just a little bit more, again, not going to ask him to be an outstanding run blocker, but if you can develop him to the point where, like, he's not a liability on the end of the line of scrimmage, uh, which he's had a few nice blocks this year, uh I mean, he's he's just as good as any of those guys, and he's a, a perfect, you know, in-between kind of guy. He's he's bigger than an Evan Ingram, but he can play that F-slot tight end kind of spot. Um, and at the same time, he's got enough size to him that he's not a great line of scrimmage blocker. Um, you're not going to mistake him with a, a Gronkowski or something like that, but at the end of the day... He's got the size. He's not going to get pushed around where, again, Evan Ingram just made the Pro Bowl, but he's essentially a, a thick boy receiver. Um, yeah. He's very much Dustin Keller, that rocked up wide receiver build. And Gasecki has the athleticism and the the size to go along with it. So um, would like to see him break out hopefully next year into a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. Yeah. What do you think of TJ Hawkinson right now? I mean, 
that he's the only weapon that they have on that offense. So good for him that they're, they're pushing him the ball, but like, you know, like they need to surround that poor guy with some other options. So he's not having to put the team on his back. Um, I think he's done a good job. I don't think he's going to be a George Kittle type of outstanding tight end. I think he's going to be more like healthy Hunter Henry realistically. (laughs) Oh man. We loved Hunter Henry too. And that guy is just never, never healthy. Yeah. He's always, always beat up. Yeah. Stud though. And I still laugh at, uh, with Hawkinson. Remember like, up until about midway through that season leading up to that draft and Noah Fant was the top guy mm-hmm. for for Iowa on every mock draft that we saw and then you just I mean there was just a flip and all of a sudden TJ Hawkinson was the guy yeah I mean he was a full package and, and more teams are going to take the full package over uh, a Gasecki type of Noah Fant type of tight end yeah I hope I would love to see Gasecki just I, I do think he has that I already think he's a stud, but yeah, to, to see him reach that star potential, especially because he's wearing, he's rocking that 88. If you're going to, if you're going to be a great tight end for the Dolphins, you got to wear 88, I think. Yeah. That's how I, yeah. that's how I feel about it. Uh, okay. Shaheen was a, a big question. I, I want to get that out on the show. We talked about Jamar Chase. Um, do you want to talk about the Raiders for a second? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Raiders are up this week. Um, every game is a playoff game for the Dolphins at this point. If they want to be in, they got to win out. Um, and the Raiders are totally doable. Um, they've been pretty ugly over the last stretch here. I know they played a close one with the Chargers, but like for a team that came hot out of the gates as the Raiders, they probably should be beating teams like the Chargers. Um, you know, they put up some points against the Colts, but they couldn't get that done. Uh, they barely beat the Jets. We thought that was potentially going to be the Jets' first win. And then four weeks ago, they get blown out by the Falcons. You know, so it's the Raiders have not been pretty. They've stayed around in most games. Um, you know, they're averaging kind of that 20, 27, 28 points a game. Um, but the problem is, is their defense has just been really, really not good. Um, I think they're seventh or eighth in total yards given up on the season. Um, And then they're top 12 in touchdowns given up this season. Um, So they are, they're struggling in the, in the passing game there. Um, They are not doing any favors for anyone. Uh, They're definitely better in the running game this year. Uh, so running is definitely going to be a little bit tougher for the dolphins, which that's kind of how it is week to week regardless. Um, but I mean, even then the crazy thing is, is while the Raiders haven't given up a ton of rushing yards, they've given up 1700 or something like that, which is pretty average for the season. They've given up the second most rushing touchdown. So like in the red zone, they are totally prone to getting bullied uh, when you get into, you know, five yards within the end zone. So it's one of those things where, you know, there's, there's the opportunity is there for the dolphins this week. They just need to do what they need to do and just not have one of those weeks where they just do some stupid nonsense, honestly. Yeah. They can't afford it at this point. That's a master of the obvious statement. I get it. Uh, What do you think about Damon Arnett right now? I like Damon Arnett. Um, 
I think he's definitely got some more development to do because I thought they were going to have him play more of a, a nickel role, um, but they've needed him to play outside and he's progressed better over the course of the season. Um, I liked him a lot going into the draft last year. So when he ended up going in the first round, I was probably one of the least surprised people. Um, I'm trying to buy myself enough time here to pull up my big board from last year. Um, But so I had him ranked, and I'm never going to find this, am I? Um, Stalling for time here. Um, So I had Arnett ranked 38th on my board, Uh, like a priority second round kind of pick there. Um, He was really good at Ohio State. Like, he doesn't have the turnover production that you want to see in a top end guy. Uh, but we've seen plenty of guys get taken high that don't have that. I mean, the dolphins have a guy on their team that's essential to their defensive backfield and Byron Jones that doesn't have a lot of turnovers. Um, but so Arnett's been a good player for the Raiders. I think he could develop into a really solid number two outside corner. Um, Maybe he develops into a number one guy, but I think worst case scenario, you're getting a really good number two guy. That could be a really, really good slot if they ever move him inside. So we can use that to segue into this week's ranking. And this is kind of a thing I'm looking to do. I've seen shows before where they just, they just create rankings just so they can argue and tell each other that they're stupid. And um, I guess that's, an opportunity this is our opportunity to do that so last show which is only two days ago i almost said last week we talked we broke down bama receivers post julio era this one is going to be a little trickier because there because there are more guys in there a few more ohio state fancies itself as defensive back university now i used to call that uh for miami now ohio state's claimed it so Let's go ahead and break down Ohio State's corners since Bradley Roby. Because that's, like that's like the new golden era, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that's where the run starts. Um, so that would be Bradley Roby, uh, Eli Apple, Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, uh, Jeff, uh, not Jeff Akuda. Yeah, Jeff Akuda. Um, yeah. And, uh, Damon Arnett and then Sean Wade coming out this year for 2021. Yeah, we can include Wade. We included uh Smith and Waddle. Yeah. In our last show. So it's and it's based on how they've they've played in college. You don't have to you don't have to weigh their their pro output there, which is gonna help some of the guys on this list. Yeah. But I mean it, it is more impressive than you, you think about the the guys Ohio State used to produce. Um, can we just say more of the the typical Big Ten variety when you're talking about dudes like like a James Laurinaitis mm-hmm. at linebacker? You know, um, Kurt Coleman wasn't he one of them? Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, let's let's uh, let's give this a shot. I'm just interested to see how this develops over the next few weeks as we as we perfect this, but let's go um, lowest to highest. Who do you got first? 
So number seven on my list is Gary and Conley. Um, one, Conley had the off the field stuff, which is a big issue. Um, okay. And then two, Gary and Conley during that draft process felt very forced into like, he he's going to be a first round pick. You know, he's from Ohio state. Like he played opposite of Lattimore, like, okay and I just never felt it with him like when you watch tape on guys like you you can feel the guys that have it and like impress you and like do something to impress you like he was never bad but he was never like legitimately first round grade quality for me so he was my seven um number six is partially sample size partially positional value because I don't think I, I think Maybe the right defensive coordinator can develop him, but we'll see. So six is Sean Wade for me for this year. Um, I think Sean Wade is a really solid nickel guy that can match up with the the very common guys that you tend to see in uh, a Mike Thomas, a Juju Smith-Schuster, those bigger slot guys. Um, I think he matches up with them really well, but speedier guys can potentially get him uh, from time to time. Um, I think he'd be a a much better free safety. If you gave him a few years to develop, uh, almost give him like an Eric Rowe switch. Um, but right now based on sample size and like he's getting more hype than he's actually played up to Sean Wade is six for me. Um, five is Eli Apple. Eli Apple had, you know, a lot of intangibles that you couldn't teach. You know, he had good size, good length. Um, he found the ball relatively well there are times where he i don't you don't know what he was doing but he for the most part he was he was in a good position um mostly a a press man kind of guy uh didn't handle zone responsibilities great but like at that time in that class you know he felt like a good player that would make sense for a team that wanted to play some press man i mean hell he made sense for a jets kind of guy um but again eli apple's another one of those ones that like was good, but didn't super wow you on film. Um, you could flip flop Eli Apple and Sean Wade either way. Um, I kind of flip flop back and forth personally on my rankings for them. Four for me was Damon Arnett. Um, again, still kind of falls into that bucket of like good, but not great. Um, you know, really good quality cornerback number two, but if you're taking him in the first round, like, is the value there probably built to be a better nickel guy. Um, so Damon Arnett falls in there, even though I liked him a lot. Three was Bradley Roby. Uh, Bradley Roby kind of just had an all around above average skill set coming out of Ohio state. From what I remember in his tape, um, he, he's, he was scrappier than most corners at that time too. So like, you really like that and really enjoyed that. Um, he he was just a solid corner at that point. And if I remember correctly, his class, it wasn't a super, super strong cornerback class. So he was going to get that benefit of the push from that. Um, two was can Jeff. I, yeah. Can I actually st- stop you for a second? I just remember we forgot someone. We totally forgot oh Denzel goodness, Ward. Forget. Oh yeah. Denzel Ward. I was just like sitting uh, here and, and like, I don't know when, as soon as you said Bradley, Roby with the all-around game, I was like, ah, oh, that reminds me because we were saying that about someone else who was it, and then it just popped in my mind. I was like, dude, totally forgot Denzel Ward. What the hell am I doing? No, so this is this is like perfect timing then because Denzel Ward would be my number three here. So bump everybody else back a spot essentially. Okay. 
Um, and Denzel Ward, Denzel Ward had the same kind of situation as Bradley Roby, Damon Arnett of like relatively above average skill set for most things, but like Denzel Ward also was unbelievably fluid in the way he played and the way he turned and got his head around for the ball. Like he, he was like that. He, he was the guy that I felt really had the first dynamic athletic skill set out of these um, Ohio state cornerbacks. Like even Lattimore at times in his college tape was a, a little clunky based on certain routes and stuff like that. But for the most part, um, Denzel Ward was kind of that first guy that was a really wow athlete um, out of this group. Uh, two, I have to. Yeah, I was going to say before you before you tell me your top two, can I catch up just because I'm very yeah. curious to hear how you have the top two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's meet so, at the top two. Yeah. All right. So my list right now, my bottom guy is Eli Apple, actually. And I, we, we've talked about him countless times on this show but i've never tried harder to talk myself into a prospect like i have eli apple because our secondary in 26 going in 2016 was so bad and i remember everyone telling me like oh no you gotta watch the tape like he's actually really good against the run because i mean like you mentioned the size that like a legit six one like a a beefier cornerback and a lot of people were like is built to He's he can smack the run. I mean, he's good in man coverage. And I remember watching all of his tape and I'd already seen his games and I was like, what am I missing? And then I came away from his tape thinking like, I'm, I'm not missing anything. People are just lying to me. So oddly enough, um, I'm looking at this list. I think outside of uh, outside of Ward, he's the highest draft pick, I think, mm-hmm. or, or close to Um so yeah, he's he's the bottom there for me because you know just some potential, but I just never saw what other people saw in him, and I think like you go like he gets drafted by the Giants. He's the third cornerback when that year when they were a playoff team and their their starters were Dominique Rogers, Camardi, and Janoris Jenkins, and then that playoff game against the Packers. Uh, DRC got hurt almost immediately and then Apple got bumped up to number two and it was just it was a slaughter after that mm-hmm. so all right so next on my list I have Damon Arnett and you really hit it on the head because he's excellent but I definitely view him as more of a slot guy or like someone someone who it, more of a nickel role a little bit undersized there but interesting to see how that actually plays out but I I like him a lot but that is what's going to determine the next few spots on my list. I actually have Sean Wade next mm-hmm. for all the re- all the reasons you mentioned. I'm a, I was a little higher on Gary and Conley than you, evidently, because I have him over the you know I have him fifth on this on, on this list because I thought the potential was there. He, he definitely flashed at times that I thought he could be um, a premier shutdown guy, and I mean like that was at a time when. Ohio State secondary was essentially Marshawn Lattimore. And then you hit Gary and Conley was the, the other big name in there. And then Malik Hooker was the safety, you know, the center fielder type for them. So, I mean, definitely a, a crew that could help make you look good. But I, I'm, I wouldn't have been completely turned off by drafting Karen, Gary and Conley up until the off field stuff came up. I think that was the week of the draft. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. when that that whole mess. We don't even need to get into that. Um, but I I would have found a way to to sign out with that. I'm the same with you on the next two. Definitely Roby and Ward, both slightly undersized. I think what Ward is Ward five ten. Yeah, yeah, he's on the there. shorter side. And I think Roby's a legit like five eleven somewhere around there, but. I think I remember Ward got tossed for targeting in a game, which is wild when you think about cornerbacks doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would have I got Roby fourth, I got um, and then Denzel Ward. I can't believe that this whole list. I was like, who are we forgetting? Denzel Ward. I don't know why that happens, but all right. So the top two, who do you have? So my top two. Um... And like I, I could be convinced to flip flop these either way, quite honestly. Um is number two is Lattimore and number one is Okuda. And the only reason I have Okuda over Lattimore is because Okuda just had such crazy athleticism to go with everything else. So like you could convince me to flip flop them either way. They were both outstanding pass coverage guys in college. Um, Lattimore, I felt like had more uh, production because he was around longer. Um, But Okuda just, he he was great and he was a crazy, crazy athlete. And that's what has him at the top for me. I actually have it flipped. I got Okuda number two. And that was a tough call to put Marshawn Lattimore number one, because as you mentioned, I think Okuda is the better technician. I remember that was one of the questions about Lattimore coming out of Ohio State. I think people were questioning whether he could even backpedal. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember that part. So Okuda, uh, bigger body. Uh, The one thing for me is I always felt like Marshawn Lattimore had better instincts. And I remember a bunch of times on tape where he'd flash that sixth gear where he was he was able to actually bait quarterbacks and I remember thinking like that guy's running full speed never mind he's not and then he would actually hit full speed and it would just be like vroom and he'd be gone you know that he would just just take the ball away so that always floored me with him um and I he's been an awesome pro I know we're not weighing that in into the consideration and everything but Lattimore he he went 10th right did he go 10 in that draft god i don't remember you're, you're so much better remembering these spots so when you don't remember it's bad news i think i do i don't have it in front of me but i think he went 10th and i'm trying to remember where apple went i think apple went 11th Nine. i thought or he uh, went ninth. yeah because i thought or maybe that was floyd was taken ninth and the then the giants panic picked eli apple yeah because there's a bunch of bunch of panic trades going on there because i remember philadelphia had traded they had trade we had traded them eight, mm-hmm. and then Philadelphia used that to move up to two. So Cleveland moved down to eight, and then I think they traded with Tennessee, right? And Tennessee took Jack Conklin. Yeah, and then Leonard Floyd goes nine. Uh, Eli right. Apple goes ten to the Giants. Yeah, um, and then in twenty seventeen, Marshawn Lattimore went eleventh. You're right. Oh, I actually thought he went ten, so they both went eleven. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Um. So that tenth pick then in 2017, that was um, Mahomes, wasn't it? Uh. Yes, it was. Yeah. They Kansas City trading up. It, 
Buffalo is the one who traded down. Yep. From, from that spot. Thanks, Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I mean, thank God. I mean, I don't so, I don't think he's the same thing if he ends up in Buffalo, but still. No, far from it. But I mean, it, and I mean, like Buffalo's doing just fine with Josh Allen. So, I mean, they've got a, a fun, fun weapon there. And, you know, even though he plays for Buffalo, it's it's interesting to see how he'll continue to develop. I'm not a hater by any stretch. Except, I mean, I despise that team, but he seems like a decent dude. So, um, yeah, that so that was why with with Lattimore and I'm hoping I saw the what inspired this list is I've seen a bunch of people on social media already calling Jeff Okuda a bust. And that seems wild to me. Yeah, because I mean, he was he was hurt a lot of his first year. But I mean, he's playing for everyone knew that Matt Patricia was essentially a lame duck. You know, it wasn't going to work. Everyone figured that Bob Quinn was going to get fired, too. And then, I mean, right after right after Thanksgiving, I mean, they they pretty much used the flamethrower on those guys immediately afterwards. So the only thing that Jeff Okuda is guilty of, in my opinion, is I, I don't like the number 30 on a corner. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a slot guy, that's different. But if you're if you're charged with taking out the other team's X, then I I don't think you should be wearing 30, especially because he he was what? Number one at Ohio State. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, come on, dude. Buy someone's number off them. It's Detroit. They're all for sale. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, the other guy they have in there is what Desmond Trufant, another former uh, corner uh, crush. Yeah, I remember in 2013, I was a big fan of fan of his coming out of Washington. I think Duke, he's like no Duke loved him too. He did, he and I big big favorite of his. I remember he and I. That's when he and I really started talking was we found out that we had a, a mutual admiration for Desmond Trufant in that draft. And then I remember that was when we were doing roundtables a lot. We had the draft. We created the draft roundtable. Those things were so ridiculous in hindsight. But at the time, they seemed funny. And like we'd get we'd pull random. I, I don't want to call them fans because it's not like we had like some cool product where we had fans, but, you know, like site contributors and people who would just like show up and comment every so often we do draft discussions with them like if you're interested in it we would sit there and we'd shoot the shit over this kind of stuff and we'd record it and we did one where this guy i mean props to him the whole topic of Dion jordan came up and mind you this is before the draft like this is at that point like the thought of getting Dion jordan was was really out there because the the dolphins had what do we have in that draft? The twelfth twelfth pick was it? Yeah, we were looking at uh, DJ Hayden. Yeah, DJ Hayden. I was a Tyler Eifert guy in in that draft. Um, that's a that's a, another list we can do is Notre Dame tight ends. Um, yeah. but anyway, so we were talking about Deion Jordan, and this one guy's like Deion Jordan sucks, and I was like, that's cool. Who do you like? And he was like, I like Ezekiel Anza at that spot. Yeah, I was like, damn, okay. So, I mean, to that guy's credit, Anza had had a much better career than Deion Jordan. But, you know, I remember everyone was worried about they thought that uh, Ezekiel Ezekiel Anza was older than his listed age. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially coming out of BYU. That's an age thing's always an issue with that. And it's crazy that Hopkins went like, what, 27 that year? Like he went way late in the first round. 
Yeah, there was that wild story about what that hotel room that he supposedly trashed. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's wild to think that. Remember the can't miss receiver coming out of Clemson was supposed to be Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. And, and Nuke was just kind of like an afterthought for some people. And then you look at the career he's had, you're like, oh man, did people get that wrong? Speaking, I mean, fine, but speaking of that draft class, I wonder how uh, Boya. Bojan Warner was that his name the uh, the defensive end from Florida State. Yeah, Bjorn Werner. I was actually thinking about him the other day because I remember when we were sitting at twelve, a lot of people were like, "Oh man, if we could get Bjorn Werner, that would be really cool." But there's no way he's going to be available at twelve. You know what a bizarre. I guess it part of the reason he he disappeared fast though was due to injury. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't realize. I, I don't remember what exactly, but it sounds like he just couldn't play anymore. Yeah. So it wasn't like he sucked. Yeah, I wonder, yeah. I wonder what he's up to. I think he um he either commentates or he does something. He's associated with the game somehow because Indianapolis drafted him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, the 2013 draft was that. And that was the Manti Teo draft. Too. So... Ugh. Anyway, uh, well, yeah, Notre Dame tight ends. Let's file that away for future reference. Okay, so I've got one more. We got one more email, and then I think we can just shut it down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think the Dolphins were wrong to draft Ibnagani? No. Um, I think, I think for what the Dolphins want to do long term, um. I think it makes a ton of sense for Igmanogany. He just got thrown absolutely to the Wolves this for year. Sure. Um, so he he had a bad cut there. Um, I mean, the dude only played a few years at Auburn. And, like, you know, he's got the athleticism behind him, switched over from wide receiver. So, like, he's got some learning to do for sure. But his upside is tremendous. And, I mean, like, if you can have X doing what he's doing, covering number two guys, you have Byron Jones covering number one guys, and then you know you get um, Igmanogany up to speed in the in the nickel, and especially with his athleticism, if you can start blitzing him off the edge as a nickel and stuff like that, and like you know Brandon Jones is playing well as that star role, so you drop Brandon Jones or you send Brandon Jones and you drop Igmanogany like it gives you that versatility and flexibility that you're looking for. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, like hindsight's 2020, you can go back and say, Oh, they should have taken this person there instead. Like no shit, quite honestly. Um, everybody can go back and make that, that connection to things. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, my, my biggest question mark for the first round picks wasn't Igbenogany. It was still Austin Jackson. So I think they're in good shape regardless of that pick. Austin Jackson's been such a surprise, mm-hmm. you know, just based on the, I know we were leery of it because USC tackles, uh, the fact that his, his last year at USC was, I mean, there were up and down, it was up and down yeah, there are times where he looked great. And there are times, I mean, the bowl game against your boy Epinesa, mm-hmm. you know, there were just, there were some difficulties there. So, but yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise. You know, what else has been, a? I don't want to call him a pleasant surprise cause he was drafted high enough to where there are certainly expectations attached, but Robert Hunt is an ass kicker. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's definitely proven me 
more wrong than I was anticipating to be on him. Um, I thought he was going to really struggle with speed at the next level, um, but he's done a pretty good job against it. You know, I thought he would have issues where he'd get scared against fast edge rushers and overset and then get beat back inside. Um, but he's had a, a nice tempo to his game up to this point, and he's done a really nice job, um, you know, in pass protection. And then when it comes to the run blocking game, he again, he like you said, he's an ass kicker. So um, that's yeah. exactly what the Dolphins want. Yeah, he's, he's just Debo out there. How do you see that offensive line coming together um, in the, the near future here? Because, I mean, you'd like to think that Austin Jackson is going to be your left tackle. I mean, uh, I mean, you got some high price guys in there right now, like Eric Flowers. But what kind of personnel would you like to see in there going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think I think moving forward, um, of course, Austin Jackson's your left tackle. Like the only thing that potentially changes that is if somehow the Dolphins with the Texans pick end up in Penesul territory. Um, while you hate to double draft positions, you don't let a good player take stop you from taking a great player, right? That's kind of always the mantra for folks. So um, that could put a, uh, a kink in the plan there, but I, I don't anticipate that happening with the teams that are in the top four or five. Um, I think Penny Sewell is going to be pretty well gone. Um, and so I think it's going to be Austin Jackson. You're going to see Eric Flowers again next year because not only is he – paid through next year um but he's also been the veteran presence that the young guys have kind of rallied behind um they may bring back ted karras he hasn't been absolutely terrible even though i lose my shit over him every week it seems like um but he's been fine-ish um and then I think they'd like to stick with Solomon Kindly and Robert Hunt on the right side. Uh, I would love to see them draft Creed Humphrey. Um, I think Creed Humphrey is absolutely fantastic as a center um, and would fit exactly what the Dolphins are trying to do. Um, but this is actually a pretty solid center class overall. So I could see them if they don't take a Creed Humphrey in, in round one, quite honestly, or really, really high in round two. Um, I could see them drafting a young guy at center, bringing in Ted for another year, maybe two years, um, and prepping the next young guy to take over. We haven't really talked about Raekwon Davis that much yeah. on this show, but how do you feel about him at the you know two games to go in this season? I mean, he is what he thought we he was. Like at the end of the day, his stock took a tumble because before last season. People were talking about him being a, a first-round defensive lineman, you know, one of the top guys in the country. Um, had just come off a national championship game where I think he scored that touchdown in that one, or it was the national championship game prior to that. Um, and that's season prior, uh, before last year's season. So that would have been 2018. Uh, he had like eight or nine sacks in that season. So he he put up good pass rushing numbers, but like, that was never fully his game, um, but he was never thick enough and didn't have a strong enough base, even though he's gigantic and like good enough pad level to play a nose tackle role. And so when he came in and the Dolphins drafted him, like they knew he was a run stopper, but they needed to work on pad level. They needed to add a few pounds to him and they needed to teach him how to two gap instead of, you know, two gap from a five technique and on passing downs, just let it rip. Um, mm-hmm. 
so kudos to the Dolphins defensive line, uh, you know, and, and the coaches out there just working with them to learn those techniques to, you know, shore up the things he hasn't been so good at, but he's been an excellent run stopper this whole season ever since um, Godshaw went down. And I mean, on top of that, I mean, it really it's, um, and now I'm never going to remember his name, uh, Zach Sealer. Um, has been the the real spark when it comes to defensive line play, quite honestly, besides Emmanuel Ogba. So um, I think the trio of Christian Wilkins, Sealer, and um, Raekwon Davis are going to be what you're looking at moving forward. And, and that's a really nice, underpaid, quite honestly, trio to have. Got that beef. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we were making jokes about Jets, dude. Our last show with Trevor Lawrence and everything. Is he okay? Yeah, yeah. He's come around. He's now on the uh, the Zach Wilson train when I'm trying to just tell him to take Justin Fields and just, like, not do the wrong thing. But we'll see. Um, Trevor Lawrence was the one thing that was going to make him happy in life. So, um, you know, uh, unfortunately going to have to tell his fiance that their marriage next year is going to be number two on their list if they can somehow get Trevor Lawrence again. Oh, man. So you would take if you had the number two pick in that draft, you would take Justin Fields. If you if you are going for a quarterback and you are taking the second quarterback in this coming class, I would take Justin Fields. Like you're seeing, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Uh, I was gonna say like he he's just played such good competition, and he he's got the same type of skill set um, that you see with a Josh Allen or a guy that has that extra legs. I mean. And quite honestly, the guy who he's probably closest to is Deshaun Watson, where Deshaun Watson coming out, people are like, oh, doesn't have a strong enough arm. You know, he uses his legs more than his arm, which wasn't true. Um, and at the end of the day, like, those guys are good. And, like, he's he's a good leader from everything that I've seen and heard. Like, there's just so many unknown quantities with these other guys behind those two. Uh, I've seen a lot of people trying to talk. Um, I'm just looking at it right now and I'm just going through this list of I'm actually just looking at a mock draft right now just for the hell of it and yeah they just have Zach way up there Mormon Manziel Mormon Manziel I mean like he was a lot of fun to watch he's got a live arm but as you mentioned I mean like with Justin Fields I mean the the competition has been considerable for that guy. And he didn't even have that great of a finish to the season. And he still looks fine. So, yeah. All right. I think I think that's it. I think we should call it. Cool. This is good. We'll think of a list for next time. We'll make something more controversial, too, so we can talk more shit, too, which I always look forward to. For Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for joining us. Christmas Eve, Eve. Merry Christmas to you or happy holidays or whatever it is you celebrate. We hope you have a great one and um we'll maybe we'll do another show this weekend too let's just go nuts so all right for zach in the meantime my name is keith and uh happy holidays and take care